for women to learn from women or from folks of color to learn from folks of color or for queer folks to learn from queer folks. There's a respect and a bubble of understanding that is incredibly uplifting to these communities. That's photographer and climber Irene Yi with the pronouns she, her, and this is the Wilder Mind Podcast. My mind grows wilder When I stoke that fire inside Hear the call in the distance It's a long road worth your while Hey, hi, hello everyone and welcome to the Wilder Mind Podcast. I am your host, Cody Camerlin, and thank you so much for being here with the pod. Today, we'll hear from Irene Yi, Lady Lockoff, she, her, badass extraordinaire. Irene and I sat down at Crossroads Cafe in Joshua Tree for a meal after our day of climbing in the park, but the incredible wind and dust storm had left the community without power. So we grabbed a bite in Yucca Valley and then parked on the side of the road up towards Pioneer Town and recorded while the van swayed in the wind. The van is very much shaking. But in that manner, we found that... This is fun. It's like extreme podcasting. <laughs> extreme podcasting. <laughs> we go hard. <laughs> and just prior to our extreme podcasting session, Irene had been out in Joshua Tree on an assignment with the AMGA. So it only made great sense for us to meet up and smash and thrash our bodies in some inverted off-with-bouldering in the park. Normally, bouldering involves a ton of tryhard, lost skin, and bruised bodies. So our day was, in fact, all of these things amplified. (laughs) Inverted body positions on wrist jams are quite uncomfortable, but oh so fun. And yeah, my wrist jam was probably not the best beta, but I made progress, so I stand by it. Irene and I had met some time back at the Summer Outdoor Retailer Show, where we quickly bonded over the copious amounts of free snacks and our high natural stoke levels. Since then, we filled restaurants and crags with our loud laughter, deep conversation, and discovering ways to grow alongside and perhaps even at the helms of our communities. All around me, I can't hear it. Irene considers herself to be a non-traditionalist in her role of a photographer and as a climber. She uses her platform to help others that may identify in the same manner seek ways to express themselves in the spaces where they perhaps do not always feel the most welcome. I've witnessed this hard work firsthand, doing what I could to help with the photo clinic she conducted, and it's an experience that has resonated with me very deeply. Through this podcast and my privilege to move rather fluidly through various communities, I've interacted with the most wonderful and welcoming of souls. And not just the ones that I'm able to share through this podcast, but also those that find it in their hearts to share their time with me during such events that I'm able to take part in because of some level of exposure I'm afforded through the podcast and other media ventures. And so... I find myself digging further to share more stories with more humans in more formats to help motivate, inspire, heal, 
grow and build our communities. In that, I believe it may be time to seek a bit of help in this mission. So if you see a Patreon account pop up, please trust that it was not an easy decision to come by to ask for financial support. I'm not exactly one to feel deserving of your hard-earned money, and I'm only comfortable doing this because the funds will be used to create more content and nothing else. I very much believe that if we can reach more people, tell more stories with more humans, then this little idea can have a big impact. So here's to the future, to all of you and to all of us, and to Irene, who has helped me see myself in a different light in more ways than she is likely aware. Now, let's do the damn thing. The all-female single-pitch instructor course. Yes. What does that mean to be part of something that is that is this really special space for females to learn these advanced technical skills? Um, it's one of the more enjoyable jobs that I do. Um, I love working with the AMGA, and I think it's more than that. It's You're seeing women being empowered through education, so not just social media or videos or photos. You're actually seeing them learn skills to empower themselves, but on the instructor course, I mean, your goal is to teach others. So you're empowering these women to empower themselves, to empower other people, so it's like very meta, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there could be, honestly, there's there's really nothing better than that to view and be a part of. Uh, the very first one that happened, I was asked if I wanted to take it. And, and I thought about it for a second. And then I was like, you know what? I want to be a part of this, but I don't want to take the course because I don't particularly think that I need it and it pertains to my life. And I don't want to take up space where I know that somebody else who really wants this needs to take it. In terms of media, there are questions as to the importance of these focused events for diverse and marginalized communities, the need for them and what there is to be gained. For women to learn from women or from folks of color to learn from folks of color or for queer folks to learn from queer folks, there's a respect and a bubble of understanding that is incredibly uplifting to these communities. It's because you don't have to explain yourself mm -hmm. or you don't have to hide yourself or you can kind of come as you are and not have that questioned, but have that be a part of the collective experience. And so it's just such an honor to be a part of sorts of things like that. And then also for myself to create media that will never capture what happens, but hopefully will put out a like percentage of that for those spaces to keep being upheld and lifted and shared. That is amazing. Yeah. Because it's, you know, as two persons of color sitting mm -hmm. here, I think that for us to see not only are there groups out there doing something and they look like us doing it, but then it's being created by people that look like us or yeah. are just other people of color that get it. Cause we talked about that earlier today where like you just said, you don't have to walk into those spaces and explain anything about yourself. And to someone who has never been afforded that privilege and that right, 
it can be hard to understand and that's that's fine yeah but we need a space to go where we don't have to to dance around that i mean Every time I enter these spaces, there's always the comment of like, I felt very supported in this space. Like I could ask questions Mm -hmm. that I wasn't sure about, but nobody discounted that question. Yeah. And there's something there that the majority of people who have walked into the space have said that, that in this space, they feel supported in a community where they're not afraid to show that they don't know something. Where asking questions and, as Erica has said, being curious is so important. But those experiences are not shunted to the side or downplayed or responded to in a negative way. They're taken in and really given a response to. Yes, yes. And that's critical because it can be challenging to walk into a space that where not everyone looks like you. And to feel comfortable asking questions about climbing or outdoors or photography or whatever it is you're there to do, already feeling like maybe you're kind of judged because like, oh, well, I mean, you know, you don't know that because X. Yeah. Um, And that's a lot of weight to carry. Yeah. And so the fact that you're out there doing these things and you're capturing that content and sharing it in such a broad way is, is super, super important. So can you talk about that? Like what got you into photography in the first place? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a long story. Um, in my mind, I liked the idea of a photographer, you know, because they were doing something or these things, but like, it never occurred to me that photography could be a thing in my life. Um, it was just like, Oh cool. That interests me, but I'm supposed to be doing this other stuff. So I'm going to do this other stuff. Um, and so, For me, it it started, my friend uh, Val used to take a lot of selfies of of us while we did things in Boston when I lived there. And I kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like, but she's like, oh, selfie, selfie. And when I moved to Las Vegas, I realized how important those memories were to me. Because it's really only times that I can remember of things that I did where I'm like, oh, this is when Val and I were... um, kayaking or at the park or doing these other things I'm like wow that's one like the only things that I can actually remember because I have photo memories of that thing so I was like okay these are important (laughs) (laughs) maybe I should start doing them more um and so from there when I started rock climbing I really wanted to create those photo memories so I would remember what I was doing and I had something for my own terrible memory (laughs) to remember because it's like a thing so now that you have like a snapshot of where you were that day you're more likely to remember that experience or Mm -hmm. that time and so what kind of kicked it up is I went to a holiday party and in the raffle I won this little Sony lens and this was before camera phones were good so there were like it was kind of like an attachment that you could like put on your phone or you could put somewhere else and it was like a Wi-Fi connect so your phone became the timer and the screen for this like this little independent lens that had no um, screen on the back and so I realized with a self-timer I could like self-timer myself rock climbing yeah and then I started to do crazy things like tape it to my fix line as I learned to jog that was kind of later when I had already gotten a camera but um so that was like step one and I was like oh cool and, and then I could be kind of more of a photographer with it because then I could like see this n- much nicer higher quality photo than yeah. I could have gotten on my phone at the time um and then from there 
when I switched jobs and kind of had expendable income, uh, my coworker had bought a bunch of camera bodies from Las Vegas CSI because they like turned over their equipment. And so they were just selling off a bunch for cheap. So he is a tinker and he refurbished them. And I had like, I got wind that he was selling some of them. And I was like, oh, I'd like to buy one. I heard it was this much money and here you go. And they're like, well, you're rock climbing. So maybe like GoPro would be better for you. And I was like, oh, okay. And so like I Googled GoPro and I like looked at it. I'm like, mm, you know, I, like, I want to take photos. Yeah. I want to do this thing. And he's like, well, it's like a semi-professional body. And I'm like, I'm trying to give you money. Take my damn money. Just take it and give me the thing that I want. I'm not like arguing with you on that front. Anyway, so he came. So he figured it out. I got the last one that he was selling. And it came with nothing. So he's like, I'm literally just selling you the body. No lens, no battery. Oh, God. <laughs> and so right, I like just buy like a very inexpensive, which for lenses, $300 is inexpensive mm-hmm. in that world, yeah. um, kit lens. And I bought a battery and a charger because <laughs> you need those things and like an SD card. Um, and I had this camera and I just started... Uh, well, first, uh, people love to give you a lot of information when you get a new camera and you oh, don't yeah. know how to use it. Yeah. And so they go over things like, oh, if you do this and then this setting and then like aperture priority. And nobody realized. I'm like, I don't know what an aperture is. So like <laughs> that information is kind of not very relevant to yeah. me right now. Um, and so through all this information, I just Googled the manual and I read the manual. Yeah. And that's how I learned how to use my <laughs> camera. <laughs> Which, you know, it's there and it's very laid out in a very linear format for you to figure out how your equipment functions. <laughs> if you've never actually read a manual, they're very useful. They're super useful. Um, and then my, like, coworker started feeling, like, worse and worse as he was like, you know, your photography is, like, kind of good. And then I was like, yeah, well, people say once you get a nice camera that, you know, you take, you, you, do, you take nice photos because you have nice equipment. And he was like, well, actually, the camera I sold you, it's not a very good camera. <laughs> so, like, you, you, you know, you have something there. And I was like, oh, okay. Heck yeah. Um, and so it's really a show of a very good way to come about it because I didn't have anybody telling me what I should be looking for or what I should be doing. I just kind of relied on myself to make those decisions. And that's a very kind of organic, kind of not a way that it really happens anymore. Yeah. Way to be like, this is what I like. And I didn't, you know, I had no idea like what made a good photo. I just knew what I liked. And that seemed to work really well for me. Like, And then also in the beginning, it made me a really good editor or post-processor of my photos. Because I was really bad at taking photos. And so I just learned how to fix what I was really bad at. Totally. And so I think it made me a really good editor and really made me, forced me to look through my work a lot to be like, oh, this is good. I wonder if this slider will fix it. And then, right? And then as the more I've done it, now I've been able to correct those mistakes more. Yeah. But it, it really, number one, it really helps you learn editing software totally it does. when you got to fix a lot <laughs> in what you do and you just take kind of poor photos. But no, there's really something to be said there because, you know, A, when you shoot for an edit, you can shoot like by the histogram and you can frame something because I went through the same. I would start, you know, I'd be cropping and sliding things. I'm like, wait, if I'm adjusting this in post, the faster way is to compose the photo better 
And then instead of adjusting all these sliders, just like read the histogram and, and understand that. Um, That's what I tell people is that um, kind of the main image that people think of me of the carabiner. Yeah. My face through the carabiner while uh-huh. I'm jugging, which uh, people love to point out that that carabiner is not where it should be. <laughs> But I did learn that it's not a safety thing. So the fact that it's not around the rope doesn't matter. (laughs) That, like, it's not a safety thing. So the fact that it's wrong, I mean, it's wrong, but honestly... It doesn't affect but for, it doesn't those, affect, right? for the trolls out there anything about it. And artistically, it worked much better. Heck, yes, it did. Um, but that <laughs> camera was taken with that little tiny Sony lens. Isn't that funny? Um, and, I mean, I, I will say that one was kind of down to luck because I just athletic taped it to my <laughs> fixed line <laughs> and put it on like a timer. And then I just jugged for like a few rounds and I I got very I have no idea how it focused through that carabiner that's pretty honestly that's I awesome. have no idea so it's a selfie because I took it myself um and so it's like right but I learned that it takes creativity to to think of doing that oh and skills yeah well I don't know it wasn't well, a skill it was a timer skill. sorry uh <laughs> technical skills you know to know how to jog to know how to do all these things to be able to yeah. get up there and do it I mean that's that's, yeah. that's pretty cool but um yeah, well I, I was practicing because I couldn't really jog at the time. Jogging is yeah, like, I like crash course in a day, um with somebody who was showing me, and we had like that snippy conversation at the crag <laughs> where like uh like the couples kind of yelling at each other, and it's like really uncomfortable because I was stressed because I really really wanted to learn it in a day, but like you can't learn it in a day. It's a lot to learn. In a it's day. a lot of gear. Yeah. It's a lot of gear management. Yeah, it is. Um, and then efficiency, which obviously came later. If, yeah, it <laughs> takes a while when you're jogging. Um, but you said something really beautiful about climbing when we were driving from the Inquisition over to, to mm-hmm. Pigpen. You said something about not feeling like you would have been welcomed by the community, that you weren't like going to be the standard, like what they expected to see um, as a climber. Yeah, my experience with climbing was very surface, which is, I feel like, the public's understanding of climbing. And all I could tell really was that it was for men who didn't really care about hygiene (laughs) or like were really rugged and could be really independent and those things kind of freaked me out um well or perhaps like I just oh that's not for someone who looks like me Mm I was younger too, and I was intimidated by a lot of types of people, mainly because I, um, I didn't really come into my own until I was like 26, 27, mm-hmm. which is like kind of a very late time to bloom in life. <laughs> um, but it just took me that long to, I think number one, kind of chill out a little yeah. bit. Like you know, that's that happens a lot when you grow. You yeah. just your level of like yeah, caring just lowers <laughs> yeah. significantly. And but I will say, like your quality of life goes higher Way as your up. level of caring goes lower. Isn't that funny? <laughs> um, and I, since I had moved to a new place, I was looking for things to do in Las Vegas when I moved there. Um. And so I decided to use Meetup, and I ended up going to a Meetup group at a gym. And um, I tell this story a lot because I'm like, look, there was a time where you just have to, like, let your guard down for a day. You're like, I'm going to try this new thing, and I'm not going to be bad at it. But if I put effort forth into actually doing it, 
then maybe something good will happen. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to go into this and I'm not going to be good, but I'm going to be okay with being in that space of like being really terrible at something. (laughs) And that's hard because many of us, especially as adults, really don't want to be unknowledgeable in something because it's very kind of ego bruising yeah. to be like, oh man, I have no idea about it. And so we don't try new things because we're afraid to be bad at them. I think especially as a woman that comes a lot, um, that comes through a lot in your life is, you know, if you've made it somewhere and you're very strong, it's very scary to be in a new space because you need you need to show confidence so often that when you're in a new space and you don't know how to do something, it's really scary to be in a place where you don't have confidence. Yeah. Um, but if you just let that down a little bit, right? We're just rock climbing. It's not rock and science. <laughs> um, I went and they were, the meetup group was incredibly kind and they were really encouraging Um, And I had a great time and I like fumbled up a very easy, easy climb and it didn't come naturally. Um, But it was so much fun. I was like, I'm going to do that next week. And I came the next week and they were like, again, very encouraging. And they're like, we're going outside. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to try this outside. (laughs) And of course, you're definitely being like, I'm going with strangers and I think I know what they're doing and it'll be fine um and it, it was fine um and then the minute that I touched I top roped my first rock climb in Las Vegas for the first time I was like awesome I want to do this for the rest of my life yes that's so it was great. like it was pretty quick I'm like this was so amazing it was physical um maybe at the time I wouldn't have called it empowering but as my as you kind of rock climb and you begin your journey you realize how much it teaches you. Absolutely. And I think that's why climbing um, is very, in general, I think very life-changing for people when they do it because it teaches them things that kind of apply to their life. Especially, you know, for me, it's like you can complain, you can say, I can't, but like you're still going to stay in the same spot by doing that. (laughs) And so for me, it taught me to be like, okay, you have two choices. You can go up or you can go down. Climbing, like many type two pursuits outdoors, provides us a means to engage with ourselves in a very emblematic way. Oftentimes we hear others say that it doesn't matter what grade you climb as long as you try hard and have a good time. When you reach the top, Your crew celebrates the victory with you because they know that what you've achieved is more than just a rock climb. Because after all, it is just rock climbing, but the sense of success and community we gain through it is what truly matters. And maybe today is not the day that you clip the anchors or top out on your project. And that's fine because the rock ain't going anywhere and the battle can be fought another day. So, don't ever let anyone make you think that it's not okay to take a big breath, build your character, and say, You know what? I'm I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Bring me down. It's interesting. I think, I don't know, it's a kind of weird reference, um, but in The Devil Wears Prada, you know that movie? I, I mean, I've never seen it, but I know. Okay, okay. well, there's this scene where the... Um, 
character, Anne Hathaway, is complaining to one of the employees, like, you know, I'm doing everything and I'm trying so hard. And he looks at her and he's like, are you? And I think that's a really Uh important moment of like, are you trying hard? Because sure, you could be doing some things, but I I know when I'm actually not trying. (laughs) You know, like, am I involving myself so deeply in this that I'm actually doing something? And I think that's really important when you're trying to create change or advocacy. Like, are you actually trying? Because that's a really good question to yourself. Like, Am I actually doing this or do I just have like a pride flag like yeah. during pride month and I'm good? Yeah, exactly. You and know? I say I'm trying and I'm being an advocate, but am yeah. I really trying that hard? Exactly. And you can always ask yourself and sometimes the sometimes the answer is no, I'm not trying. And then the next question that should come is do I want to try? Because sometimes yes. it's not worth it. Yeah. And sometimes it is and you're like, okay, Am I actually creating change or am I just complaining about creating change? You know, because there's there's a difference That's a big difference. And do I have the ability to create change and do I have the ability to affect the outcome of this? And as as we've talked about, and I think, you know, we being you and I and then we as a collective society, um, am I the right person for this space? Absolutely. Not only to be an advocate, but then to also, I mean, I think there's advocacy as like you can be an advocate to people close to your circle by being there for them, by listening, by Mm -hmm. asking intelligent questions. And then you can be an advocate by actually doing something and affecting change. But like we're all starting to talk about, it needs to be the right people in the right space for the right reasons. It's a fine line. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that's a great question to ask during that. You know, when I battle with my own, like, am, am I the right person for this space? You know, am I trying as hard as I think I am? Should I be trying and or do I just need to reel it in? And I think it was, um, I think it was Lila. I think they introduced me to the concept of maybe sometimes you just need to, to sit down or back up a little bit yeah, and give other people that space. Yeah. I'm very self-reflective uh, and something that I, once it was told to me that, you know, when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're thinking about what you're going to say next, and then you're like, Ooh, I have to hold on to that. And you're holding on to that, but you're not actually listening. Um, I often talk over people, but I'm really aware of it. And so you'll see me do it. And then you'll realize the second half of the conversation, I'm really trying hard not to do it. I think of almost everything as a disciple of Brene Brown, uh, as a practice, you know, listening is a practice. Yes, Being it is. Being an advocate is a practice. Staying calm is a freaking practice. <laughs> oh, boy, yes. Working <laughs> is a practice. And when you think of that, you're like, awesome. I'm not going to get it right every time, but I can start to implement and actually see change slowly that I'm like, now I'm actually listening. I'm yeah. listening to what you're saying because whatever I had to say probably isn't that important. <laughs> I uh, will always tell people that I love uh, to argue and not like, like fight, but like, I really like the idea of like, um, what would you call it? Like civil discourse. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also is bad communication because you're not really listening to learn. You're listening to attack. So there's like a, a place for that. Yeah. Like controlled debates, I think are fun. Um, but I used to be someone who, you know, mainly because, you know, I'm a, a male and I grew up with a deep voice. I would just talk <laughs> over people because I could, you know, if they were like, if the teacher would ask a question, I didn't have to be the first to give the answer, but I'm so loud that they just think I'm the first one because they hear me yeah. over everybody. Yeah. But through this and through life, the coolest thing 
I think one of the coolest things I've ever done is just listen to people. And especially after something like doing a podcast episode, I feel so close to somebody because I've learned so much because I just listen. And it's the most exciting freaking thing <laughs> in the world. You walk away with all this cool knowledge of somebody. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to know you for a long time because of this. Yeah. And so I, I agree with that, that I can tend to be the same way. I I can still maybe overpower the first half of a conversation yeah. and be like, ah, oh, crap. And then I'll but just right, back It's up. how you deal with the second half of the conversation. Yeah, agreed. You know, and that's a practice where I'm like, awesome. I'm at the point where at least the second half of the conversation, I'm like halfway there. <laughs> I'm doing halfway well, you know, <laughs> rather than just thinking all the time about what I want to say, which is kind of selfish, you know? <laughs> so, um, and then it's really important. You realize when you actually listen to somebody, how much you learn. Listening to learn and doing so effectively in a friendly scene, such as a podcast, is one thing. But there's an entire other side of the coin when we enter into a scenario with a bit of friction. Take, for example, a conversation that was worrying in the climbing community at the time of our recording, offensive route names. Now, for those of you not familiar with climbing and mountaineering, when you are the first to climb a particular route or mountain, you have performed a first ascent, or F.A., the person who does this, the first ascensionist, gets to name the route. Sometimes it's as simple as Becky's route, while others something totally strange, like Brad Driscoll outnumbered his guests, but a good time was had by all. And yes, it's a real name. Link in the show notes. We arrive at a point of contention when a name is outright offensive, and there are quite a few of them. There's no governing body in outdoor climbing, though some mountain project forum folks fancy themselves to have such authority. But a general sense of respect and homage to not change route names. You get the FA, you name it, end of story. But there are certain words and phrases we just don't use anymore. And some of the routes out there date back to a time when such words or phrases didn't carry such weight. But they do now. And trust me, if you've not researched this, you might be surprised by some of the names out there. So, like old Bob Dylan tells us, the times, they are a-changing. And you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone Or the times, they are a-changing Some writers and critics who prophesize with your pen And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon I will say that with some route names, there's a huge gray area, right? There's a room for a lot of debate, but there is some freaking red, right? There are definitely route names, <laughs> yes. which everybody can agree on are not okay. Yeah, right? they definitely are. And then are. we move into the gray area of like, well, everybody has a butthole. So like, <laughs> is that, you know, is that <laughs> offensive? I agree that there is gray area that the community will have to deal with, but yeah. there is definitely some no's. And the reason for that, when people kind of are arguing about that, is when I was in Tennessee, there are some very not right named places and climbs. And while we were at the crag and somebody was explaining was just oh like oh this is over here this is over here i was like wow you didn't even budge on saying that name and it's when we have these route names you are letting these words and phrases that should have died 
come back into the conversation. You yes. are giving them away for somebody to just be casually throw it out there and exactly. making it okay for them to use a term that is not okay to use. Think about it. If you wouldn't use it in a normal conversation, then possibly you shouldn't say it at all. <laughs> exactly right. And then, you know, granted, friend groups can be pretty homogenous, mm -hmm. right? But I'm just like, think about what you just said. And if you were in that community of people, would you just casually say that word? I don't think so. And if you cannot casually say something, right, there's things that are gray areas of like, oh, in my friend group, I don't use that. But then there are the red areas, yes. which is like, <laughs> no, that is not okay to say. That is not okay to put, give a reason to put it back into our language. Exactly. And so that is why those route names should be renamed. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And I've, I've watched a lot of those conversations happen and I tend to not get involved because yeah. I can maybe be a little too like, I'm too quick to call bullshit. Like, mm. it doesn't matter because it's offensive. It was offensive then. It's offensive now. Yeah. But now we are more socially intelligent and advanced, and we can admit this is bad, and we need these words to go away. I think for me it's very interesting because one of my mentors in climbing, I think one of the like, things that I took from most was he was like, language is a social construct. And I'm like, yes, right? It is constantly changing, right? Words that were old, we don't use anymore. Uh -huh. Things like bro make it into the dictionary, right? We're an ever-changing word thing. And right as we discover new things, we make up new words, we have new language, yep. and it's never stuck. And so we really need to be aware of that as we change and flow. And then also in greater life, culture changes yes right <laughs> it's awesome to think about how the world was right i just i have been trying to find the spirit of christmas <laughs> from like that 10 year old standpoint of like right just excitement and joy and i realize that maybe that's not something that can happen now that i'm an adult yeah <laughs> and so you know culture and times change totally. and like it's 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 hard because you want this beautiful nostalgia of something sure but like that's not what the world is doing. And as we are more aware of gender fluidity and sexual fluidity, that we realize that we have new phrases and our world is changing. And it's time to absorb and adapt and educate to that, you know, rather than being like, oh, the world was so simple. I mean, yeah, you were... <laughs> Ten, you know, you were three to ten. Of yeah, course, exactly. the world is everything simple. was simple. You were playing you with know? blocks, and, and now we have yeah. a responsibility to, you know, accept that our culture is changing and yeah. that our language is changing, and that we're still trying to figure out new words and new ways to express things. But we'll get there. We'll absolutely. And get then there. they'll become like you know, bag in the culture. And, yeah. And culture is ever changing. It's social, and things that were not acceptable before are acceptable now. And right, and it's the same thing. Like. We all think that the kids and their phones are so crazy, but like I'm, I'm like, dude, what is it gonna be like, like 50 years from now? Yeah, that's a scary world that I don't scary. know if I will understand. Yeah. But um, it's exciting to be on the cusp of the social change that's taking place yeah. because I think we are at a very big because of technology and because of social media. We yeah. are, you know, people come in like, well, everything is visible, but that's really good because. Let's put it all in the light and say we need to deal with it because it's not that it is 
gotten worse. It was always there, but now we can see it and we can talk about it and we can join around it. I mean, like I kind of take this experience from people who have been in this space much longer than I am. Um, But as a person who is like, deep in the butthole of social media <laughs> um you know from what i have seen oh my gosh. um it's very interesting because i've had a very positive experience on social media which i think is not often the case yeah um, unfortunately i think and so what i have seen is i you know Uh, I think Shelma was talking about this the other night, which I thought was so nice is like, now that we have these things like social media, like there were women in climbing, but now we can find each other. Yes. Right. We were kind of spread out before, but now with the rise of social media and communications, like, Oh, now we're visible to each other and we're now rising in population in that space. So it's a little bit of both, but you know, when I was in social media, I stayed because I was getting so much positive feedback from other people being like oh it's so cool that you climb or like it's good to see somebody another woman climbing right and now it's just like you know you wanted to get to the point to be like oh great another woman climbing or you know like where it's so just normal like totally that's that's changed and i feel like we've definitely got there especially with the rise of social media and the women and gender non-conforming folks and trans people who put themselves out there like we get a beautiful window into their lives and mm-hmm. you know i think that's good for everybody i'm a wholehearted person in in saying that images change lives you know like an image of a climber with painted fingernails changed my life and you never know what's going to affect you at what time and so the more media and images that i can put out there like to affect somebody at a right time in their life i mean is that bad like that's good like my goal was always to infuse this social media world with something different and it just happened that that was really needed at that time and i have an amazing platform in which to push out these images hopefully at like a rate that's just normalized yeah right to be like oh like scrolling through that explore feed hopefully you will see somebody who looks like you rather than a bunch of images of people who don't look like you yes um, oh, and so I that was that. like my take on it and why I think social media is so important and why it's played a large role in me doing things and becoming things. And, and like we've talked about repeatedly today, it exists because we need it to exist. Yeah. And we need to see people that look like us. And I love what you just said, that you want to do this until it's like, oh, okay, another you know woman climber. Because it's like the same concept of, you know, you should always try to work yourself out of a job. Like, do so well that the company doesn't need you there. That's what we should be doing. It should We should have so many of these groups to help celebrate all of our diversity that at some point we just don't need them anymore because diversity isn't something we have to seek out. It's just always there. Because it, yeah. it, it is already there. Yeah. But we need to see it and it just needs to be the standard. Yeah. And Damn it, Irene, you're that's oh, that's so good. <laughs> well, I should also we should preface. So I crash course in Cody's podcast on my way <laughs> on my drive here. And it seems like he was like climbing with all the climbers before their podcast. And I was like, oh, well, I want to do we have to do something because you're referencing a lot of conversations that we had today. And I feel like people should know that like we had time to discuss things. But yes, we did. I was like, well, Okay, well, you're doing these things with like Brad Gobright and 
You know, like you're having these days of climbing and ch- so I want that too. We're not just going to podcast. <laughs> no, gonna, that's the whole concept. We're going to do something. And Heck so yeah. I was like, well, we should go do an off with. Oh, <laughs> which was actually <laughs> Because that's so my great. type of day. So. And that's the cool thing. Yeah. Spending time in someone's space, you really get to know yeah. them. And that's why I love, that's why I travel around for this. It's so I can get to know the person. And then we talk. Because I mean, if you really wanted to get me to know my space, we would be like up on fixed lines, like rolling around, you know. That actually. Because <laughs> balance is I'm hard. always down for I love <laughs> jugging. Because, you know, it's funny. Every time I jug, I'm like, why do I even climb? This is so much more effective. Honestly, I think it's like been detrimental <laughs> to my climbing because I'm so attached in that when I'm not attached in, I'm like, Whoa, oh, yeah. It's <laughs> a yeah. little scary. You have like, you have like three pieces and then a backup and you you know, you're tying knots all the yeah. time. You're like, you're nothing. Yeah, you're so safe. You're, you're just super hanging there. Safe. Yeah, yeah. I've actually, I've, I felt the same way. I'm like, boy, I could just like, you know, maybe tie a, <laughs> tie a figure eight down a little, here. A little, a little, little backup in, in your climbing line. Yeah, totally. <laughs> a little catastrophe knot for you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so Irene, you have listened to the podcast enough to know what's coming next. Oh, do I? Oh, Did do you prepare I? anything? Your oh, no. final words, oh, your no. words of wisdom, your... Oh, yeah, I, I remember listening to that. I was like, oh, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, do I have to prepare something? Oh, I'm, I'm glad you didn't because it should come organically. Oh, oh that's even worse. <laughs> I am a prepared person. Yes, you are. We were talking earlier how um, I was also at Red Rock Rehab, which has been talked about on this podcast before. <laughs> and both of the both of the athletes were like, Oh yeah, and then probably just put together some slideshow. <laughs> and I was like, I would love to be that casual. <laughs> but I am not. I had like already rehearsed my slideshow a bunch because I was so intimidated to be there because, you know, I'm an untraditional person in this space. I'm I've kind of transitioned from a climber to a photographer. And so I often ask myself like, oh, I'm doing these things that athletes do. Like, what the heck do I do for this? (laughs) And so I was like prepared. I had it like planned out. I had like my talking points, right? Because you want it to be sort of conversational. Absolutely. But like, I need a plan. Yeah. And like, you know, like brad is so kind of casually funny (laughs) and i'm like oh it'd be awesome to be that casually funny but like i need a plan okay (laughs) i need like i guess that my final words have a plan um no more it should be if you're type a personality you can climb too (laughs) (laughs) nailed it That's awesome. Okay, is that what it is? That what happened to me? Is that what happened? Organic it was. (laughs) Well, I think that's great. I love it. If you're a type A personality, you can climb too. Yeah. Which honestly is probably what you want more of. You're planned. You're ready for what could go wrong. Climbing with Jordan Cannon, he's He's like kind of type A about his gear, you know. He's, he's just he's yeah. just so efficient and Holy quick. Holy crap! And I'm yes. like, you know, I think that I'm that way, but like, I still yard sale. <laughs> but like, right, I'm the type of person where like I yard sale, but because I know we're taking pictures, like the, you'll always see me. The first thing I do right before I get on my line is I stuff everything back in my bag, and sometimes I'll stuff in a bunch of other people's stuff too, <laughs> right? So like, I I think. Uh, earlier today we talked about you have to be A or B. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's super untrue. Like I call myself, I'm like a disorganized, organized person. <laughs> a lot of people who either come to my clinics or have worked with me, they're like, wow, you are really together. And I'm like, 
No. <laughs> there are times where I have to be really together, where I look it. But, like, in other parts of my life, not together. But, like, that's okay, it's right? Totally there are okay. some things that I just cannot get together. I cannot. I spill my coffee on myself every morning. For some reason in that part of my life, I cannot figure it out. But, like, I do have a binder for my clinic. And I do look very together to have my information presented well because I have to in that space. Heck yes. And it makes me feel better. But, like coffee on the shirt in the morning every morning hey, hey. Can't, apparently can't figure myself out of that one you know what at least you woke up and made coffee <laughs> <laughs> oh no you have you have to make coffee oh i mean i agree if you're gonna have a day oh yeah i i am addicted oh i i and this is the first thing no i do problem. oh i'm super addicted i can't not have coffee it's it's not a thing it's not yeah, an it option make you feel good Yo. It makes you feel good to have a cup of coffee. Heck yeah, it does. Yeah. See, now I just want, now I'm going to make coffee. Now I freaking <laughs> want coffee. And that's the show. Irene, thank you so much for all that you do for our communities, for engaging with yourself and others in such positive and mindful ways, and for continuing to seek growth in everything around you and all that you do. The Wilder Mind Podcast is produced and hosted by yours truly. Theme music by the masterful Alexis Tia and branding by the powerhouse of Finletter Creative. And remember, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and whoever you're there with, to your wildest self, be true.